Okay, finally, after 100 over episodes, we're going to talk about CPF. So yes, for all of you that are tuning in from abroad, maybe this episode does not apply to you. But for all Singaporeans, CPF makes a very big part of your life and you contribute 37% of your income into CPF every month. So I think uh, it calls for more discussion. And I will share with you a little bit more why I took so long to come to this topic. But yeah, today I'm going to share with you how to optimize your CPF accounts. Welcome back. So good morning everyone, I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we'll be debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it, ultimately empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And I'm going to spend some time today to talk about how to optimize your CPF accounts. Essentially, how do you milk the most out of the system, right? That's what everybody wants. So a few things why I took so long to come to CPF as a topic. Firstly, I've never really had very prolonged, stable, traditional employment structure where, you know, you work for someone, they contribute CPF for you, and then, you know, you just kind of live your life and what have you, right? So because I don't have that kind of employment structure for a long time um, or forever, <laughs> I've never really had a lot of money in CPF. So in that sense, I'm not very vested to think of how to optimize it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. But of course, CPF is a pretty important topic for all of us here living in Singapore. So... You guys keep asking and I've decided that, okay, let me go and scour the net and try to study this system to come to a point where I'm like, okay, I think there are some things to be said about the CPF system. And it's going to be a two-part thing. First part, I'm going to share with you about optimizing the accounts. And the other part, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about investment structure, right? CPF investment scheme. And we'll do that in another podcast. But specifically for today, we're going to talk about how to optimize your CPF accounts. And before we begin, I want you to be able to recognize that CPF is a system and you don't need to be too emotional about the system. <laughs> in that sense, I think it's a pretty political experience for a lot of people that don't support the CPF system. There's a lot of doubt about, you know, is it enough? Can you trust the government? Blah, blah, blah. So it's a lot about trust. And when it talks about trust of the governance, it inevitably has to go into the discussion about politics, right? So like, what is your political affinity? Where do you stand? And with that, it adds to your bias, it adds to how you view the CPF system. But I just want to put it out there that if you don't trust the CPF system, then you probably shouldn't trust the insurer providers out there. Um, let me give you my perspective, okay? You need to understand a little bit of uh, power structures. You need to understand incentive systems. So, if you look at financial providers or financial services providers, or financial companies, whatever you, they have a fundamental profit motive, 
Okay, so their main motive is profit. They want to make money. They will tell you, of course, otherwise, lah. They want to give back, blah blah blah. Whatever you, okay. Uh, those are, in my view, uh, tethering on marketing and whatever you. But fundamentally, they want to make money. And in CPF's case, um, it has a different social mandate. So on top of trying to make money, which they do, they also have a social mandate where they have to take care of the people. In other words, if they mess up or if they don't do so well, it's going to directly translate into losing political power. It's going to directly translate into losing legitimacy and lose votes and they may leave the parliament, right? So in that sense, actually, the people managing CPF has a lot more pressure and they do have more vested interest, in my view, more vested interest compared to your retail financial services providers. Okay, so whether you have big political affinity to the current legislation and what have you, recognize that CPF is a very important part of the social fabric here in Singapore. And in that sense, they really don't want to mess it up. right? So they're not out to cheat you. They're not out to eat you because it's going to directly affect your votes. Right, so those things matters. And with that sense, if you ask me to trust the uh, insurance companies with a uh, 30-year long, long-term endowment or, or whatever, of course, it's a very blanket statement. I do think that you probably can trust CPF a little bit more because of incentive structures, not because they are more competent or less competent. We're not even talking about competency of private financial brokers or advisors versus the CPF system. I'm just talking about fundamentally incentive structures, right? So that is my base case when I look at CPF. You don't need to love it, but you need to recognize that, hey, they have more interest to do well for you. But all that being said, right, it does not mean that you should love CPF blindly. Huh? The, the reality is CPF are the rules of the game. And if you're unhappy with the rules of the game, you can always, you know, talk to your MP, write letters, go for town halls, whatever you, to make your voices be felt. Right? And in that sense, uh, it will have impact on the CPF structure and it may fundamentally change. So assuming that you know we are going to keep the CPF as what it is today, I'm going to share with you some of the things that I've read online that I feel like, yeah, you know, people should do more of this. Why do I say I've read them online and I feel like people should do more of this? Because like I said, I put it out in the very opening of the podcast. I am not in a traditional employment structure, so I do not have a lot of money in my CPF to be super vested to go and play around all these things over the years is really because you guys keep asking my team keeps saying you know I should talk about CPF uh, talk about CPF and I'm like okay 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 let me let me put out to you my views my thoughts and uh, based on what I've read online all these different people telling you different things I've consolidated a list lah, essentially which brings me to point number one of how to optimize your CPF accounts point number one is you should top up lah Top up your MediSafe account um, or your medical accounts and your special accounts. All right, so sounds very cheesy. I know I get it. Uh, everybody is telling you to top up and they have their views and what have you. Uh, so I'm going to share with you my thoughts. The reality is there's actually an upside as to how much you can top up. And topping up essentially means you take your cash, whatever money that you have that is not in CPF, you put it inside. Uh, top up your medical account, top up your special account. You know, I'm assuming most of us are young and we don't have a retirement account yet, okay? So, top up these two accounts and there's an upside, there's a maximum limit. So, for medical account, your maximum limit that you can top up um, is 63000 and for special account, it's 192000 as of uh, 2022. Of course, the more details, you can always email into CPF. I think these days, they're a lot more open to discuss with you and they have a whole support system. You can always check them out. But the idea here is, when you top up, 
you actually get the 4% year-on-year recurring, right? So 4% per annum, it's growing on the money that you top up. So in that way of looking at things, right, actually you do make some money by putting money into the system. So of course, the whole like special account top up, the 1M65 movement and what have you, they've done all the discussion about, you know, you put your money inside, get 4%, blah, blah, blah. Very simple. Sounds very simple, very basic. And you want to milk that 4% per annum recurring, risk-free return and what have you. And we've talked about it with different, different people. Uh, one of the episodes coming up will be with Endowas. And they also talk about this, you know, in the sense of, hey, that is a risk-free return. Why don't you use it? Of course, the bigger guys in the space that's talking about it are the YM65 guys from Lou. So, whatever. Those are simple, simple ideas. There's a account there that you can put money in. You cannot do much with the money until you retire. But if you put your money inside, it gives you 4% risk-free and that is amazing, right? So why not do it, right? So in my view, I think that's an okay thing to capitalize. If you have excess cash, do it, right? Max it out. But from the medical account, I think this is a little bit underappreciated, right? So there are a lot of uh, financial models out there, a lot of financial planners or financial companies out there that are modeling medical expenses increasing at about 6 to 8% year on year. So it's quite wild uh, if you think about it. Of course, I believe that this growth rate will come down. The government is going to do something about it. They cannot allow this to keep going on. If not, there will be revolt and what have you. Um, and people are finding it very hard to breathe, for sure. So with that in mind, I think if you top up your medical account at 4% year-on-year growth, it helps to mitigate that cost. And what is interesting is after you top up your medical account in your CPF system, uh, so CPF got three systems, right? O-A-M-A-S-A. Uh, so I'm assuming you already know those three. You're here to listen to how to optimize, okay? So when you top up your medical account, it gives you 4% year on year. You can use that medical account to buy all your integrated shield plans, which is what a lot of people are doing. So whether you call them enhanced shield plan, integrated shield plan, whatever adjective that they put in front, as long as you hear the shield in their name, uh, it does suggest that it is building on the MediShield ecosystem, which is part of the CPF system also. So all of us, we get MediShield, like it or not. This is a basic insurance structure that the government has given out. But based on what Sherry from Planner B told us, uh, episode 58, you should check out uh, the episode. Also based on uh, some other observation with uh, Chris from Provident and what have you, different, different leading voices in the space. They all say that CPF is built for the mass. So like 40th percentile, that's the kind of target group. So I believe that most of us that are listening, we are a little bit higher than the 40th percentile or we aim to be higher than the 40th percentile. Uh, you want to do a little bit better in your finances and, and what have you, right? So I'm assuming that that's where we are, white collar, PMATs and what have you. So in that case, what these people, Sherry, Chris, they are saying is that because CPF is built for the 40th percentile, it is not sufficient for you. Based on the amount that you spend, based on your income, based on your need for coverage, it's not enough. So, using MediSafe to go and buy, so using your medical account that you top up, right, to go and buy all these integrated shield plans is going to help you to uh, have a fuller coverage, like, to fit your need. And in that sense, if you think about it, right, if you top up, that means the first thing you top up, uh, because now you make money, you have, you have extra cash sitting around, the first thing you top up is your medical account. It's going to give you 4% year on year. You can draw down that, that additional 4%, or you can draw down from this medical account to pay for your integrated shield plan, 
You know, you can offset a lot of medical bills in that sense. And if I try to think about how early phase of life will be, 25, 35, 45, actually your biggest burden in the early days are mostly two things, lah, the housing in Singapore and your medical expenses. All right, retirement, all these, I, I get it. You start earlier, it's better. But but honestly, you, <laughs> you, you may not get there. Okay, 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 touch wood, touch wood. But... If you cannot sort out your medical expenses first um, and your housing, it's probably going to be very hard to even consider retirement. So in my view, medical account top-up is the least appreciated amongst all the discussion that people are having in CPF and how to optimize. So really sit down and think about this thing of how much uh, you can top up in your medical account and leverage on that 4% yield growing on your medical account and then use that medical account to go and buy your, your shoe plans and what have you to capitalize on the local public healthcare infrastructure rather than you straight away go and buy insurance really look at this uh, medisafe uh, medical account element in your cpf okay but if you want to optimize it of course you got to put more money in uh. put more money it's going to help you and like i said in the early beginning whether or not you support the current party they have incentive structure to do better <laughs> than the private wealth management or private insurance providers. Okay, that is my view. Uh, so look at this. Um, also, definitely check out the episode with Sherry, like episode 58 that we did. I think she talked a little bit more about what is the kind of pricing structure that is being implemented in the integrated shoe plans and what have you. And she did say that uh, actually... It's the least profitable one is the integrated shield plan. Alright, so in that sense, that means you are getting the most value for your buck. So definitely check that out. Which brings me to point number two of how to optimize your CPF accounts, and that is to transfer your OA to your SA. I know a lot of people say this, but I'm gonna add this one more line. Okay, so you transfer your OA to your SA, and in my view, you only need to keep sufficient in your OA to buy your BTO. That's it. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about this after a word from our sponsor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, so you've seen this everywhere, okay? I'm not the first mover in this content space of CPF. People have been talking about it. OA, transfer to SA. But the question is how much, right? How much to transfer and how should you model this transfer? So simply put, your OA, your ordinary account is only paying 2.5%. The discussion is when you shift to your special account, it gives you 4% and there's an additional 1% for the first how many tens or thousands, okay? But the idea is special account is giving you more, but it does not allow you to do as many things as ordinary account, but it gives you more. Lah. So in the long term, it's going to help you. So then my thoughts are, other than investing your OA, which we can talk about next episode, I want to capitalize as much as possible my SA account, right? So I want to be able to top up until I max out my SA top up so that I can get a 4% risk fee law. It, eventually, it will help me in my retirement, da-da-da, okay? So tons of articles out there telling you uh, why you should do this, blah-blah-blah. You know, there's a whole movement, 1M65 and what a few people topping out their SA like free and transferring all their OA to SA and you're trying all sorts of ways to try to put all the money in SA, okay? But... How much to transfer? 
how much to keep in your OA, I think there's a little bit underdeveloped and under-discussed. And in my view, right, after solving your medical expenses, which is uh, in point number one, after solving your medical expenses, really the major discussion will be your housing. I think in the grand scheme of all that can be used in CPF, right, these two things are people's major concern. When it comes to retirement, um, I do think people are concerned, but like we've observed these days, a lot of younger people, uh, they're very happy to invest their own money for the longer term future, for whatever reason. Of course, uh, you can say that maybe because the CPF system is cracking because more and more people are having alternative ways of employment. They are not in the traditional way of employment anymore. So, you know, people will then think of uh, how to protect themselves for retirement, right? So I think me and my friends, a lot of us, we the guys that are not in traditional employment structures will invest our own money and, and prep, nah, essentially. So for all of you that are in this structure, you really want to consider topping up, leveraging on the SA. Since you're Singaporean, you get 4% risk-free. Why not? Don't need to explore bonds. But that's a whole different discussion for a very specific group. But if we were to bring it back to focus on this point, which is to transfer OA to SA, how much to keep in your OA, okay? This is my view, uh, most educated view in my perspective. Please go and learn and uh, figure out for yourself what works. But if you think about it, one of your biggest tickets to purchase will be your BTO or your HDB in, if you live in Singapore. And that sense, HDB gives you a 90% loan quantum, okay? For private properties, or if you take from the bank, it's about 75%, uh, your maximum loan quantum. And you can definitely check out the episode with Bay, the one we did, you know, uh, from Mortgage Masters, episode 97 in this podcast, or you can check out Coconut Avenue um, to hear the whole property season and, and whatever. We're preparing a new season, so that's great. Okay, but when I hear from him, what, what he tells me is, 90% HDB loan, he recommends everybody to get it because it's the highest loan quantum. And for a young family that's just trying to start up, you can max out the loan, you know, you, you spend the least amount of cash. Hey, why not? That's a, that's a fair perspective. So you only need to put 10% down payment, 5% in cash, and 5% from CPF. So that is your maximum. So if you think about it, BTO 500,000, you can really only use 25000 from your CPF for the down payment. I know some people, they want to use the CPF to max out so that they can reduce their loans and, and what have you because they don't want to have very high ongoing payments, etc, etc. But if you really calculate, right, hey guys, you know, debt uh, is not a bad thing. A lot of people have oversimplified debt. Actually, mortgage debts are extremely low risk for us uh, individual retail investors or individuals, you know, not everybody need to be an investor. Uh, the CPF current uh, loan rate is at 2.6%. It's probably one of the cheapest loan that you can get. So if it's one of the cheapest loan, then you want to loan up. In my view, okay, in my view, uh, this is what I will do. I'm not saying you need to do this. Uh, well, I'll be scared. Uh, but, <laughs> but yes, I will take the highest loan amount that I can get for 2.6% from HDB. And at the same time, I will continue to invest my CPF um, whatever I can get to transfer to my SA to, to get the additional uh, 1.5 to 2%, depending on how much SA you have. It's essentially, you just try and make more money from the CPF, right? And take the most amount of loan I can take from HDB. And in that view, I max out the leverage on both sides. But at the same time, you need to recognize that there's this thing called cash flow in your statements, which is every month you're going to make income. Every month you're going to be, be making money, right? And with that cash flow, you can service your loans and you can service your mortgage repayments every month. And it's not that difficult if you really sit down and calculate. 
a basic loan calculator or mortgage calculator, assuming 35 years of loan tenure, hovering at 2.6% per annum interest for 450000 because 90% loan you know, maximum, right? Every month, you only pay about 1600 with you and your spouse, I'm assuming. So if you think about it, about 800 over per pax, um, it's, it's not very, very high. Okay, for a lot of people that are listening in, I think you have spare cash to optimize, right? And, and that's why you can really think about all this stuff. So the idea here is, of course, a uh, HDB loan, a little bit more complicated. If Whether it's your first purchase, second purchase, whatever you, go to HDB, they have, they have a loan calculator, okay? They have actually a loan calculator um, and check it out, right? So that will give you a little bit more clarity. But the idea here as to transferring OA to SA is to max out the amount that you can leverage from SA because you get more interest there. But also at the same time, allowing you that one-time payment that you don't need to spend a, a big bulk for one-time purchase of your flats and also capitalizing on the maximum amount of loan that you can get with HDB. I think too many people are very afraid of uh, taking debt and taking loans and they will feel like, oh, I want to put all my CPF into, into my HDB at one time. And to me, that is uh, not the smartest way. Lah. You know, if you really want to sit down and calculate the finances, it's not the best way in my view. And of course, the third point is the classic, uh, by now it's a classic, SA shielding when you reach 55. Because once you reach 55, your SA cash balance and your OA cash balance will be merged into RA. Okay, Re retirement account. Well, I know a lot of A, uh, okay, with a 4% per annum return once again. And if you think about it, your SA is already giving you 4% if you really want to work the system. You can actually use the investment structure by CPF. You know, you pick a very low-risk fund, say a short-term bonds, and put all your money into SA, okay, aside from the 40000 that you cannot touch, the basic one, and then let CPF push more of your OA into RA. Okay, so you get a higher uh, 4% for most of your cash that wasn't already getting 4%. And then with that, after the RA is formed, the OA is being pushed in, of course, there's a max upside based on your minimum sum, then you can take that 40, essentially liquidate back your whatever bond that you put in with your RA. And then it also comes back to give you 4%. So essentially, what it's trying to do is to give you more money uh, that is rolling at 4% until you reach 65. Lah. So this is a hack, right? That I think um, is quite prevalent already. I'm sure you've seen it again and again everywhere. The InvestQuest guys, they did write a pretty good article about uh, CPF. So you can just go and Google CPF InvestQuest. Um, you can read the article for more detail. But the idea is to try to milk the highest amount of interest out there. But as the discussion carries on and more and more people talk about it, hey, you, you never know, maybe CPF will close this loophole. And uh, what have you, right? So it depends on whether do they feel it's a good thing or uh, what is it? Essentially, it's really just trying to get more money into a 4% structure that is risk-free. <laughs> right? So yeah, go ahead and read up about uh, CPF SA shielding. Of course, uh, there are even more complicated OA shielding after SA. But to me, it's like, okay, but yeah, if you want to have a more detailed discussion, uh, you can go ahead and read the CPF article that the InvestQuest guys have wrote. Google search, uh, CPF InvestQuest. So I'm going to sum up today. I think we've talked about a lot of points and there are a few concepts here and there that I want to reinforce and for us to grasp. Okay, the first point is top up your medical account and your special account to the best of your abilities. Prioritize your medical account first. Like. In my view, I think that's the most important and underappreciated one. 
it grows at 4% per annum with a lot of financial models out there modeling at 6% to 8% per annum increase in medical expenses, topping up your medical account ASAP and then using that compounding to pay for your integrated shield plans, it's going to help you uh, cover a lot of the medical expenses and reduce the first main risk in your early days of working life. Lah. Really, it's just... In, in your early days, it's not about retirement. Lah. Medical is the biggest problem if, if anything were to happen to you. Um, and after you can cross the, all the medical problems, then you can talk about retirement and housing and whatever. So I think this is underappreciated. People should top up their MA uh, medical account and uh, tap on that 4% per annum, okay? Check out the episode with Sherry from Planner B, yeah? Number two is transfer your OA to SA, right? So this is a very big thing. On 1M65, they've talked about it. Essentially, they want to optimize the SA 4% and, you know, keep as little OA as possible. Uh, that to them, is not really making as uh, much of money. La. But in my view, I think you need to keep sufficient OA for your down payment for your flat. And then after that, max out your loan quantum with HDB. Because so my view, right, is put the OA money into SA to get more interest and keep sufficient OA to have a HDB down payment and take the maximum loan quantum from HDB. Don't try to put more money to pay for the HDB so that you can have a lesser monthly recurring payment. If you didn't know, you have to pay a quick interest back to CPF after that. But that's a whole different discussion another time. The idea here is mortgage loans are actually very low risk and they're not very, very high. So one of the cheaper loans out there are mortgage loans. So you want to max them out and you want to leverage on SA to yeah, get the kind of interest returns. So this is my strategy. Yeah? You, you don't have to follow. Just think about it. Okay, and number three, of course, SA shielding when you reach 55 so you can get uh, most bang for your buck uh, at 4% per annum. So yes, with that, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya. I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. We are doing a weekly newsletter reboot. We are going to have a lot of information within the newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have any interesting thoughts you want to share or you know someone that we would like to hear from, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Okay, I know very, very big topic and uh, there are a lot of little pointers here and there that are being dropped um, and I feel like they, they don't stand on their own. It's very hard to have one very nuanced discussion uh, on each topic. So I decided to put them together. It may be a little bit dense, but I definitely think after looking at all the different CPF strategies, to me, these are some of the pockets that are underappreciated. So you have your 1M65, you have your shielding and what have you. All these are extensively talked about. All the bloggers write about it. By my view, medical account and uh, HDB loans and keeping sufficient uh, money in your OA for the BTO mortgage, that's good enough. Right? Everything else is an add-on. And in our early days, uh, pretty much that's it. La. And also recognize that CPF is an ever-changing structure. It's not like it will massively change, but some of these strategies may fade out law eventually or interest rates may change and, and things have changed. And when things change, then we got to change. La. But for all of you that 
are listening in and have a lot of money sitting around in CPF and not doing anything about it, maybe these are some pointers that you can really consider. And also for a lot of uh, gig workers and freelancers and entrepreneurs out there that are listening in that do not actually have a consistent CPF top-up, uh, really consider the, the MA and uh, consider topping up your SA. Lah. I think Singapore government gives you some sort of risk-free return. Uh, let's not waste it. Lah. Okay, <laughs> capitalize at 4%. Uh, yeah, that's that's all for today. Lah. The next week, we'll talk about the CPF investment scheme. Okay, it's a little bit more complicated. And yeah, I have, I have some pointers to share. Lah. Essentially, that's kind of what it is. So yeah, take care, stay healthy. See you soon. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.